Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And so what I'll do is I'll go ahead and read through the chapter, and then we'll go back and we'll see uh, what the Lord has for us. Um, but before we do that, let's pray for tonight's study tonight. Um, Father God, there's many things going on um, in the world as we, uh, we hear uh, rumors of war and all of these things that are going on, Father. Um, we pray, Father God, that we would be focused in on, on you, Lord. Help us not to be um, distracted by the world. Um, help us to uh, be comforted by your goodness and your love, Father. We've come here tonight, Father, seeking you. Um, and Lord, we, we ask, Lord, that you would speak um, into our lives. Uh, may your word convict us in the areas of our lives, Lord, that need um, this conviction. And Lord, may you also, um, that would you comfort us in the areas that we need to be comforted in, Lord. Um, we ask that you would be in all those things tonight, Father, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go, verse 18. It says, servants, um, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only with good, not only with, to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your, for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Whom himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we have having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so as we've been traveling through First Peter, some of the things um, that I, I love about Peter is that he's actually, this letter that he wrote to the followers or the believers of Christ that are dispersed um, in Asia Minor, as we've been following this, um, we see that as he's been writing these letters, the thing that this letter that he writes, it's a letter of encouragement. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see that as they're dispersed and they're under persecution, that Peter would write this letter to encourage them. Um, but as I was going over this letter, um, in the, we've only, we're only here in chapter 2, but one of the things in chapter 1 that I'm reminded of uh, is in verse 6, that it, there was, uh, he was telling them that there were going to come along various trials. Um, and I think in our lives, uh, when trials and things come along, we oftentimes think that, you know, these things are bad. And these things, and, and oftentimes um, to us, they are. They are bad. And they are things that we don't expect. But the thing that I love about it so much is that, that Peter here encourages them that they are going to go through trials. But he wants to know, he wants to let them know that God is doing a work. And this is for each and every one of us tonight, that we need to know that when we go through struggles or we see others going through trials and tribulation, God is doing a work. Uh, many times I'm asked that people come and they'll share with me what's going on in their lives. And they say to me, Mike, what do you think that's going on in this situation? This is, doesn't look good. And I'll oftentimes tell them the truth. I don't know, but I know that God is doing a work. And the thing that I think is so powerful in the section that we're opening up tonight, I think God is going to give us a glimpse of the reason why we go through suffering and trials and tribulation. And I think this study is, is very powerful to me because as we go through things, we see things. But one of the things as we um, got into chapter 2, the thing that's so powerful about chapter 2, that Peter started to speak about the things that how as we as believers are to walk before the people that don't believe. Remember, he referred to them as the Gentiles. And so he said that we are to walk in our example. And it seems the last couple of weeks, it's been all about our example, our walk in, in the, in, in, for Christ, that the thing, our example, that our witness that is so powerful. 
And so he shared that with them. And then also he got into that we are to be, um, that we are to have a desire for the pure milk of the word of God. Knowing that Peter knew that this would be the thing that the letter that he was writing, that this would be the thing that would encourage them. And this is the thing that would encourage us when we see others go through struggles, when we go through struggles. And I, I spoke about you, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. The thing that encouraged me so much when I was sick is the word of God. Opening the word of God. And oftentimes I think we look in the word of God and we are looking for it to, for the Lord to answer the situation that we're in. But the thing that I don't, I don't think that we know that oftentimes we don't even know ourselves because if we open up God's word, he will minister to what we do need. And oftentimes what we think we need is not truly what we need because oftentimes we need is more of the Lord spiritually in our heart changing us, doing a work in us. And so we see that those things. And so last week we got into submission and, and us as uh, as men, especially Americans, right? Submission is a big deal. Uh, we feel that we shouldn't have to submit. But the thing I love about it is we talked a little bit about it last week. And the thing about submission is that, you know, God is the God of order. And, you know, these things about the government that we got into last week, and, and it would be it would be chaos if we had no government. And I know many of us around the room, we can say we, we have a lot of people have a lot of things to say about the administration that's in. And I don't really think that it, no matter what side of the fence that everybody's on, that it doesn't seem politically that there's never somebody that walked perfectly in it. And we need to be reminded of that, that we're our, our, our person that we're looking for is not in government, is not a human being. The person that has the answers to all things is Jesus Christ. And this is why we've come here and we've gathered here tonight to seek Jesus and to walk a little closer to him. Uh, one of the things last week as we were uh, studying it, one of the things in Romans 13.1, um, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resi resists the authority, um, resist the authority resists um, God. And so we see that these things that, and they also, as they resist those things, that um, the ordinance of God, that these who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And we so we're, we're familiar with this as many times as we were going through the elections. I remember that many pastors and churches, they were, uh, Romans 13 was their go-to um, verse. Uh, it's powerful that we see that submission. But tonight, uh, we're going to see submission, and, and we're going to see submission in more in our area. We're going to see it as employee-employer. And what I love about tonight that we see people that are represented on each end. We have people here that are employees, but we also have people here that are employers. And we're going to see that the Lord is going to speak to each of them uh, in a mighty way. A couple of things before we get into the study tonight, before um, we see these things that, you know, in the uh, Roman Empire, there was approximately 60 million uh, servants or slaves at this particular time in the Roman Empire. Um, so a tremendous amount, and so they would use these servants to help them do just about everything. Um, and this is the reason why it fits so well with employees. Um, and so we're going to get into that a little bit. But one of the things um, that we see that um, was a little different, that they uh, were not allowed um, to be married. Um, they, they were able to, they were actually, they were, would cohabitate with somebody that their significant other or the person they were, they were with, um, they were not allowed to marry. And so the children that they had, um, what's interesting is they became um, um, children or they became the owner of the master. They were not of the parents. They became of the master. And so we can see that these things right away they went against. And so we can see the kind of persecution that the servants or the slaves were under. And one of the other things in the Roman law that they would actually not be considered a person. They were considered a thing like a piece of property. They were not even considered human beings. And so we can see that these things were, you know, going against what God, the word of God believes. And so we see that these things, and so we're going to get in tonight some of the um, relationship that we have. But the thing that I think is so encouraging that we see that Peter writes them a letter. And even though that we know all of these things that's going on, he's writing a letter to encourage them, but he's going to tell them that their witness is so important before them. And we're going to see tonight that um, that this is going to be powerful tonight. And so we'll get into um, verse 18 tonight. And so it says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. 
Interesting, the very first word he used, servants. Um, we're very familiar with, uh, most of the time in the Bible, the servants, it is a doulos. Um, and it's, it talks about the, the person who is willingly wants to stay with his master. Um, and so remember that they put an all in his ear. Um, and so all everybody will know that he willfully wanted to stay with his with his owner. But the word that's used here in the Greek, um, the word that's used here is the word oikotis. Um, and this is uh, actually a household servant that they're referring to here. So it's different um, than what we're used to in the doulos. And so it's interesting that he refers to them as a household servant. You see, in the Roman Empire, there were many people in the household, and many of them were even educated. There was doctors. There was nurses, there were secretaries, there were cooks, there were musicians that were working in the household. And we see that this is the people that he's referring to. And, and here, as I was doing some study, they say that in some, um, in some actually um, places, that some of them were actually even paid servants, that they were actually paid. And so this is where it fits in very well with the employee relationship. And so they were actually paid and so as it refers to them there, it tells them to be submissive. Um, and we, we talked about submission last week. And this in the Greek is the word hupotazo. Uh, and it is to be rank under. It is a military term that we would uh, be in submission. And so what it is talking about here that we would be in submission, it says with all fear. Um, in the NIV, it says with all respect. Um, in the NIV, and I, I love that a little bit more. And it says here that not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the harsh. And so we see this uh, verse here, and it's speaking about that we as employees, um, and one of the things that I think as we as employees, that we should be the very best employee that the company has. We should be the very best. Us as believers, as followers of Christ, we should be, our bosses should be coming to us as believers and they should be telling us, do you have another Christian friend that's interested in working here? Because I like your work ethic. You're always here. You're always on time. You're always doing your work. You're never cheap for me. I can trust you. Remember, in any relationship that we have, trust is very important. Trust. And so these are the things that, the, the, as us as believers, and this is what that Peter is pointing out in this relationship, that he wants them to be the very best at what they do, honest. You know, and so, but I love that it says here that not only to the good, because I think that all of us have worked in areas and we've all had supervisors, managers, people that we've worked for, that they've actually been very good to us. They oftentimes, they allow us to take the days off that we ask for. If we ask for a day off, they allow us and they say, yes, you can take that day off, even though that other people, they arrange things. And so the people that we get along with, well, Peter is telling them that not only them, but to the harsh. And it's interesting that the word that he uses for the word harsh, in the Greek, it is the word scolios, in which we get the English word scoliosis, and it's the curvature of the, of the spine, right? We know that. And so he is telling you not only to the good and the straight bosses, that we also to the crooked, also to the crooked bosses, that we are to be in submission to them. But there is a reason for this, and we're going to see this tonight, and I think it's so powerful that we see that tonight. Um, and also, I, I wanted to read something. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, that I wanted to read something out of Ephesians 6. And it goes, it fits right in this uh, study. And it come, this comes from Ephesians 6, um, verses 5 through 9. And it says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as man pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And now we're going to speak to the employer. And it says here in verse 9, it says, And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening uh, knowing that your master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. One of the things that I love about uh, there in Ephesians, I love it. It talks about eye service. And, and I think that many of us, I've worked in a place where, where people oftentimes, and we all, we all know what eye service is, right? It's when um, the boss is not around, right? And these people, the people that are supposed to be working, they're, they're over here and they're not doing their job. And as soon as somebody says, shh, shh, 
the boss is coming. They're, they're the first ones to grab the broom and start moving around the room and start to sing. And the boss comes in and he says, wow, this guy's always working. That's eye service that they're not working. But the thing with us as believers, and this is the reason why our witness is so powerful, is that whether the boss is there in, in the company or he's seeing you or he doesn't see you, we know that, as, as the Bible says here, we don't work for man. We work for the Lord. And he sees all things. And and, he, and and the thing about it is I've heard people, even believers, I've heard them say, you know what, nobody cares that we're out here unloading this container. Nobody cares and that, that I'm out here doing all this work because everybody else is goofing off and everybody else is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But you know what? God cares. And he sees us. And he sees us. And remember, it is our witness that speaks boldly. And remember that oftentimes our, our actions are louder than our words. And so this is the thing that Peter is pointing out to them. So we get here in verse 19, it says, For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. You know, I love this verse because um, the word commendable um, in, the re- in the Greek, it is the word, and, and, and I've heard pastors pronounce it different ways. They, they pronounce it charis, and I've heard people pronounce it charis. And this is, Pastor Ed knows this very well, this is the word grace. That this is graceful before God. That we would see that they would endure um, these things that are going on. That it was, it was uh, commendable before God. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, uh, suffering wrongfully. And we see those things. And, and as we talk about the conscience that we have before God, I, I love the way that one pastor spoke about it. And this was before he was a pastor. That he became a believer in Christ And he went to work and he went to tell his boss that I can no longer work for you anymore because you are robbing people blind. And his boss said to him, well, this is the reason why I pay you the money that I pay you is because, you know, you know exactly what's going on. And he says, but I've given my life to Christ. I can no longer allow, I can no longer work here and allow myself to be led down that path. The owner uh, was so upset that he was leaving and telling him that he was leaving that he actually told him, he said, come in here, I want to tell you something. And so he tried to convince him to stay and he could not convince him. And and actually, it's interesting because he said that he was trying to tell him about Christ, but he did not want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. His ears were closed. But the thing I love about it is one of the things he said, I think that our relationship has, has ended, our work relationship has ended. He shook his hand respectfully and he turned around and he walked out the door. And the owner in one of his parting shots said, what are you going to do? You going to go flip burgers? And as he was walking out the door, he said that that really hurt him because he didn't know where he was going. But he said it was his conscience before God that kept him from turning around and either cussing this person out or actually doing something worse. But he said that in that instant that he turned around and and he said the words came to his mouth. He said, whatever I do, I know that the Lord is going to lead me somewhere and I am going to be able to sleep well at night. And this is the thing that that he understood that before Christ, that we understand that when honest things and he, he spoke about that when he worked for this man, that he said that the money that he was making, that it was called filthy lucre, that he was making money dishonestly and that he said that was so interesting and the bible speaks about this filthy lucre and it comes from proverbs 2017 and it talks about that that um that money or bread earned dishonestly tastes sweet um, but it goes down like gravel that it goes down like gravel and these are the things that that i'm reminded and i just thought it was so powerful that it was his conscience before god that kept him from destroying his witness and this is the things that we are to be reminded of. Um, but we see that this suffering wrongfully, and, and uh, it'll speak more about it here in verse 20. And it says, For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Here in the very first part of this verse, we see that what credit is it that if you are um, mistreated or if you are things that happen to you because of your own fault. This exactly, uh, you know, in this this uh, particular verses of this part of scripture, you know, things that have actually happened in my life. I used to, 
be a manager at one of the places that I worked for. And it's interesting, there was a guy that came to me, and he was a believer, he was a follower of Christ, and I knew he was, but he came to me and he said, hey, Mike, I need your help. And I said, what's the problem? He said, can I transfer to your department? And I said, why do you want to transfer to your department? This was a, a machine shop. And, and, and I was actually working in the tube cutting department and he was working inside in the shear and they were cutting actually pieces of metal um, in, 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 the, in, the, in the machine shop. And so he came to me and he said, hey, I need to transfer to my apartment because I am being persecuted where I'm at. And, and I said, well, you're being persecuted. What's wrong? He goes, yeah, my, my manager, he don't like me at all. And I knew his manager, right? And so I said, really? He seems, he's always, he's always upbeat. He's always a good guy. I said, what's the problem? He says, well, he gets mad. And he's threatened to write me up. And if he starts writing me up, I'm going to lose my job. And I said, okay, well, what's the problem? What is, what is he threatening to write you up over? And he says, well, I come late. <laughs> I said, you come, you come late? I said, okay. I said, so how many times do you come late? You come late once or twice? What, what happened? What did you get upset? I can understand he's getting late. And, and he said, he said uh, no, no. He goes, I almost come late every day. And I thought about it for a minute, and I said, you know, really in my heart, I was thinking, this manager, he should fire you. This is what he should do. He should fire you. So, so I told him, I shared with him, I said, you know what, um, I understand that you want to come to a different department because you think this, this is going to be a problem. But I said that I only have 10 people in my department. And I said, if you come to my department, I'm going to require that you be here every day and that you be on time, no exceptions. And he said, I'll stay where I'm at. I'll stay where I'm at. And so these are the things that oftentimes people believe that they're being persecuted over things that was actually their fault. And so this is what the Bible is speaking about. That what credit is that if you are being uh, mistreated, you feel that you're being mistreated for something that is actually your fault. And I love this because later on as I got to know the guy, I started asking him, like, so why do you come late every day? And he goes, there's a lot of traffic. I come all the way from the high desert. I said, well, you need to get up earlier. You need to get up early. Yeah? It's like, you know, we can't blame the workplace. Um, and so we, we see that there. But the second half of this um, verse, it says, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable. Remember, that's the same words commendable there. This is a grace before God, right? This is charis before God. And so we see that this suffering um, is something that we see that the Lord is leading us to do, to suffer. When in the, in the workplace, if we are being mistreated and if we're not doing anything wrong and we truly are being persecuted for something, if we, maybe we're shining too much light, maybe we're, we're sharing Christ with others. Um, one of the things before I leave I, I want to share with you, I've, I've actually um, heard other believers um, say that their boss is getting mad at them because they are witnessing to people during the work, during work time. And this is us believers. We need to know that we are not to witness to people while we're supposed to be working. We are to witness to people when before work, after work, lunchtime, break time. We can witness to them. But our biggest witness, remember, as we've been sharing, is during the work time. We can do it by not saying a word. We can do it by just doing our job. And this is powerful that they would see Christ, that we would be doing our job. And so we can't do those things. And so... Here in verse 21, it says, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. As you, as you uh, see this verse, as it starts here in verse 21, it says, For this you were called. Um, and if you go back and you look at the very ending part of the last uh, verse, verse 20, it says, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For this is, um, uh, this is, for, to this you were called. And so we see that God has called us, and believe it or not, as we read it here, we are called to suffer. And this goes against the prosperity gospel that people preach to you that say, if you give your life to Christ, that everything is going to be smooth, and everything is going to be great, and you're going to have all the money you need, you're going to have the job you want, you're going to live in the house that you want, you're going to drive the car that you want. And we know that these things are not true. And, and many times the people that preach the prosperity gospel, when people come to them and they say that they don't have these things, you know what they do? They blame them. They say, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. But we know that we don't need to have faith, that we have Christ. And this is a thing that's so interesting to me, that we see that through the sufferings uh, that we go through in life, and oftentimes, we, oftentimes we're looking for an answer. Why is it 
that people go through suffering. And this is the reason why we endure so many things. And one of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight is that I can see through these, um, these verses that the reason why they were going through sufferings is that they would be a light to their masters, that their masters would come to know Christ through them. And if you think about this, that we see that the Lord allows suffering in our lives that we would be a light to others who don't know him. And when I was thinking and reeling and thinking about this, and I know many of us, we've been thinking about all the things that Pastor Ed has gone through lately, especially as the last couple of years, we've been thinking about the things that he's gone through. And, and as I was thinking about this, I, I today when I was driving around in my van, I was thinking about that there are people that need to hear from Christ that don't, wouldn't necessarily go to a church. You know that there is people that are uh, orthopedic surgeons. We know people that are therapists. We know people that are nurses. And financially, they live a life. They Some of them, and there is people that are wealthy that go, but there are some people that would never go to a church. So we see that the Lord says, I have a love for the people, for the physicians, for the, for the nurses, for the, for the, uh, the therapists. I have a love for them too, but they won't come to church. And this is a thing that he allows things in our lives. And I'm not saying that this is the reason why Pastor Ed was involved in this accident. But what I am saying is that we see something in God that he has a love for the lost. And thank the Lord that he does. Because this is how we all came to Christ. That he has a love for them. And the thing that I love about it the most, that these surgeons and these people that, that the Lord said to himself, well, if I, they're not going to come to the church, I'm going to bring the church to them. And we see that he sends a man that speaks about grace and the love of Christ. And, and I believe that there's many areas of our lives that we suffer and we go through things, but there's always a purpose. And I think that we always need to look for that purpose. And I know that many of us, and, and, and some, and some of the, the answers that we're looking for, we're never going to get them this side of heaven. They won't be until we're in the presence of God. And I think that once we are in the presence of God, none of these things are going to matter. We're going to be in awe of where we're at with Christ. And we're just going to be so thankful to be with him. But it just really spoke to me that these things, and you know, some of the things that people that go through um, COVID-19, as we spoke about, is some people that go through cancer, that these are people in areas that, as us as believers, right? Us as believers, that we can go and share the love of Christ. And not always by what we say, but the way we live our lives. You know, they see us in there and they see us reading our Bible. It speaks loudly. It speaks loudly. It convicts people. It convicts people. I work for a place that I would always, and, and I always carry my Bible, even in the workplace. I always carry it with me. And there was some, there was a, a, you know, there was managers in other areas that didn't necessarily care for me. They, they were very cordial to me, but they didn't necessarily care for me because they saw that I carried a Bible and they didn't like that. It convicted them. But you see, it didn't, it wasn't me. It was the Lord that convicted them. It wasn't me. Right. And, and I think that that's the thing that we always need to understand that it is that men love the darkness. Right. Men love the darkness. And this is the thing that we need to be reminded is we are the Lord is calling them to the light. And this is the thing that we are talking about that that we, for this you were called and we were called from the darkness to the light. And we were called from the wide path that we were on to the to the narrow. This is what we were called. And I just love that there that we see that we are called to the narrow path. And that we would see that um, that such behavior demonstrates his grace before our employer, that they would see um, him in us, through us, that we would be um, ministering to them in all the things that are going on. And so here in verse 22, it says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. You know, this verse comes from Isaiah 53, 9. And if you get a chance to read Isaiah 53, it's powerful because it speaks of the sufferings of Christ. And it was written 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ comes. And it speaks about the sufferings of Christ as the things that he's going to go through. But when it says here that who committed no sin, we all remember that at the trial that Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew that Jesus was innocent. And, and this is it comes from Luke 23, 4. It says, so Pilate said to the chief priests and to the um, to the crowd, I find no fault in this man. And he, he was innocent, but he willingly went to the cross for you and for me. 
He surrendered his life upon our behalf. And it's just so powerful that we see that. And also here, um, we see that in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin, um, sin for us. The sinless Lamb of God became the atoning sin for you and for me. And this thing, when we think about sin, that oftentimes people were, I was listening to a, a person um, talk about this online, and they were talking about that they understand that their sins are forgiven in the past and in the present. But they said that I don't understand how God can forgive the, 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 the sins of the future. But what they don't understand is God sees all things. He sees the beginning from the end. Remember, I am the Alpha, the Omega. And so he has forgiven us. If we have surrendered our lives to Christ, he forgives us of our sins, past, present, and future. He has forgiven us of, of it all. But we, you know, like you said, though, we are to lead a life trying to walk as close as we can to the Lord. And, and you know, this is a, the reason that we see some of these things. Uh, but here in verse 23, it says, Who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And this is such a, a powerful verse that we see that Jesus never spoke back. He never, he never went against what they said to him. He never tried to enter into a conversation and, and tell the people that the, what they were accusing him was wrong. And he never defended himself. And this is our example. This is our example. Um, a couple of verses back, there was a, a, an example. And this example that they speak about, that they would, um, it was in the Greek, it was uh, a word that they used that, that they would actually use a stencil, that they would use this stencil for children, and they would stencil around letters. And this is how they would learn the alphabet, that they would stencil around these letters. But as that same word that they use here to describe that we see that in that same letter that this is who we are called. We are called to be, to follow that stencil of Christ that he left for us. You see, many of us have been through many things, but none of us have suffered like Christ. None of us has suffered like Christ. That he, all the suffering that he endured, and he endured it for you and for me and for the sins of the world. And remember what, what the Bible says. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is powerful that, you know, many times I think that as we become believers, and I've shared with, with you numerous times that when I became a believer, I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready for you to come. All right, Lord, I'm ready for you to come. But what I didn't understand that there's so many people that have not come to Christ yet. And the Lord is patient. He is loving. He is waiting on them. He is love. And, and like I said, though, when we talked about the people that, the orthopedic surgeons and people who don't know Christ, remember what the Bible says very clearly that it, it, God would, it is his desire that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. This is his desire. And so he doesn't want anybody to be led down that path. So here in uh, verse um, 24, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. It said, he himself bore our sins. He took our sins with him upon the cross. He took them willingly upon the cross. And we see here that um, it says, in his own body on the tree. Galatians 3.13 says that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And so the curse that we were to receive, Jesus Christ took it for us on the tree, on the cross. He took our curse that we are to be separated, the things that we are to be separated from God. And this is the love of Christ that he has for us. Some of the things that we see, and, and many of us have seen the movie Passion of the Christ, and we see the scourging of Jesus, and it's very difficult for us to see and for us to watch, that the blood of Christ was spilled out for you and for me. All the things that Christ endured for us, it is difficult for us to see. And it says, by whose stripes you were healed, there was a story about four young ladies who were in San Francisco on a trolley car and they're traveling along and they're going from place that they're going for a place. They're college students. And as, as they're going on this trolley, they're small talk, talking about school, talking about life, talking about things. They're sitting on this trolley car and they're sitting across from each other. And one of the ladies um, notices that she, these other three girls, they have their back to the trolley car and one of them is sitting across from them that they didn't have enough seats and some people as they stopped they actually gathered and people were getting on the trolley 
one of the ladies who entered the trolley and sat a little ways back, um, a, a few seats down, uh, what, the girl that was sitting across from them, she recognized that this lady that got on, she had a veil on her face. And so she was intrigued and wondering why this lady had a veil and got on the trolley with them. But so periodically, she would glance over at her. And one of those glances, she noticed that the wind blew in the trolley car and it kind of blew her veil up. And she could see that her face was disfigured. Really seriously disfigured. It was disfigured and it looked like she had been burnt. And so a few minutes later, she shared with her three friends that were sitting with her. She said, hey, there's this lady that's sitting on the trolley car with us. Do you see how ugly her face is? It looks like she's been burnt. The girls who hadn't noticed that she had got on the trolley looked over at her, and one of them said, that's my beautiful mother. And she got up, and she brought her mother over to them. And she said, sit here with me, Mom. And as she sat there, she explained to them, when I was three years old, that my mother put me in the crib, and she went to the store that was two um, buildings down from where we lived. And as she came back, the house that I was in was engulfed in flames. It was burning, and nobody would come in because they said it was a total loss. My mother came through the door with blankets and towels and came and got me and rescued me. And every day that I see my mother's face, I'm reminded of the sacrifice, and I'm reminded that she saved my life. And when I consider the, the stripes that, that, that the Lord that was delivered upon his back, and we see the scourging, we should always be reminded those are the things that the Lord endured for us. That we are saved by his stripes. We are saved. That he endured all of those things. And so those things are such beautiful that he has such a love for us. And, and you know, when you really contemplate and you think of the suffering that Christ went through for each and every one of us, it's amazing to think that there was a time. And oftentimes, the longer that I walk with Christ, it, it, it's interesting because I think the longer that I walk with Christ, instead of instead of feeling more righteous, I feel like I feel more sinful because I can understand that the way that I, how did I ever walk not walk in the ways of Christ before I knew him? How could that possibly be that somebody who had died on a cross and endured all this suffering and I just totally ignored? And, and it's difficult for me to see those things. But, but, but it's powerful that we would see in and through those things. So here the last verse, um, it says, verse 25, it says, for, for you were like sheep going astray, but having now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You see, um, I was at one time a lost sheep going down the wrong path um, by the world. I was being led by the world. I love the way that one commentator said, referred to the sheep. He said, you know, sheep are not very smart. He said, actually, they're very dumb. And I think it's interesting that we see in the Bible that we are referred to as sheep um, because it's very easy for us to be led by the world, led by the things of the world. But we see that it's so we're so thankful that when Christ came into our life that we return to him, our shepherd. And remember that our shepherd is always out front. You know, Pastor Ed tells a story about a bus ride that he went to Israel. And he tells a story about going on this bus ride and he said that him and Ray Lynn were in the bus, and they said that the bus started to slow down in the road, and they saw a shepherd leading his sheep across the road. And so we see that the shepherd stood out in front, made sure the bus was going to stop, and then he led his sheep across. And then he took, as the sheep went across, then he went in the, in the back of the line, and he walked up in the front as they all waited for him, as they crossed the road, for him to lead once again. And this is one of the things that we are to do, we are to be in our lives looking for our shepherd to lead us in our lives. It's so powerful that we see that. One of the things as we close tonight that I'd like to share with you tonight is that oftentimes we go through trials and tribulations. We go through storms of life, but we always need to be reminded that John 6.37 says that anyone who comes to, to God, he will by no means cast out. He will not cast out anything, anyone who comes to him. This, this verse has been reoccurring and be reoccurring. And this is the reason why I bring it up tonight. That Pastor Greg has brought it up in his last three or four sermons that anyone who comes to Christ, that the Lord will by no means cast out. 
And this is just such a, a powerful thing that I see. Um, there is a famous uh, painting um, that if, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Many of us in your mind, when I tell you about it, your, your mind's going to go there and you can see this painting. And this painting is of Jesus Christ standing before a door. And if you ever noticed, if you've ever seen this painting, or if you can envision in your mind, I don't know if any of us have ever noticed, but there is no door handle on the side that Jesus is on. There is no door handle on his side, right? And so we, it's powerful that we see that because the reason why there's no door handle, because remember what the Lord says, and this comes from um, Revelations 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine or sup with him and he with me. And this is a beautiful picture of what God wants to do, that he is such a gentleman that he does not have a door knob on his side, that he doesn't want to come into us. He wants us to come into him and he will dine with us and he promises us eternal life. As we come in, he wants to build that, that, that relationship, that intimate relationship with us. I think it's powerful that we see that that doorknob is not on there, knowing that he wants to come in and sup with us and have relations with us. Go ahead, JJ. Um, when often I will have conversations with non-believers, and this is exactly what you know they bring up. Uh, they bring up, you know, well, hey, you know, life is full of suffering. Uh, you know, this didn't help you any. Uh, you, you're still suffering. You still have, you know, this problem. You still got sick. You still uh, lost a loved one. Uh, you, you still have cancer. You know, God can help you. And for me, it's always hard to, to just come up with a Bible first, like, oh, well, in, you know, John chapter 2, you know, but I, I have a hard time with that. Yes. Um, but there are so many passages that show that it is the nature of man to suffer. Yes. And Christ as a man suffered, but no man suffered as much as Christ. Yes. Amen. And the thing that makes it different for Christians is that we have hope. Yes. Yes. And uh, an assurance that, you know, we're going to be, you know, with God for eternity. Yes. And he said, he said that. He said it on the cross. Yes. You shall, from this day forward, you shall be with me forever in paradise. Yes. Amen. And so, you know, maybe... I don't know, maybe I need to memorize a couple of these and just say, hey, you know, these verses state exactly what you're you yes. know, talking about. And, yes. and we're going to have suffering. As yes. a matter of fact, someone that we know um, said, well, you know, hey, God didn't help Pastor Ed avoid that accident. Well, um, I said, well, you know, God allowed it. Nothing happens without God. That's right. But, you know, he has God with him. Yes. You know, God's not finished with him yet. That's right. Good works to do. Yes. So, anyway. So, we, no, no, it's, it's, it's powerful, J.J., but we don't understand the suffering on this side. But we understand that there's things that happen. And I wanted to share with you, and there's a couple verses that I actually share with you tonight. This is Philippians 1.29 um, that speaks about that. And it sort of has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer. But also to suffer. This is, you know, and, and also Romans 5.1. I mean, it speaks about the endurance, that it builds endurance in Christ in us. And so those are some of the things. But one of the things I want to say about the sufferings for Christ that we do suffer, that it, that it does do a work. You see, um, before COVID-19, that there's a lot of things that we take for granted. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about things that are physical things. I'm talking about my wife. I no longer see my wife the same anymore. I no longer see my children the same anymore. Knowing that a couple of weeks ago, that all of this, I could have been, with, or they were going to be without me because I was going to be with the Lord. Um, and that's not, that's not being arrogant, anything that I've done. I just trust and know the Lord. And these are the things that it changes us who we are. We no longer see life the same anymore. And we also, we appreciate the simple things in life. There was a time that I, in my work van, I couldn't even get in the back of it because I didn't have enough strength. And the other day, I was sharing with my son. I said, you know what? I, I, he saw me in the back of my van, and he said, I remember that you couldn't get in. And I said, I'm just so thankful to God that he's allowing these things. And so it changes us. And so through those sufferings, we go through things. And we don't understand always why God is allowing these things to happen. But we know that we, God is at work. He is doing something. But I think that it is an earthly thing to think that 
um, if we serve the Lord, that our whole lives should be blessed and we should live on this hill and, you know, live in this mansion. It, this, that's just the earthly feeling. But because the Bible very you know, clearly says that, that the, the good and the wicked, that the, the, it's, it, the Lord doesn't have, it says he's no has no partiality towards us. That, and, and I think the thing that we lose out of the whole equation is this is not our home. That is, God has promised us there will be no suffering, there will be no, no more pain, no more anything, but it is in heaven. This is not our home. And and just, go ahead, Dirk. I was just going to say, JJ, is that, and I've talked to people before also, is that when you come to Christ, you're not going to suffer anymore. Nobody gets out of suffering, but you're not given the hope. Yes. And yes. The Lord's going to see us through. Yes. He passed your head through. Yes. And the body of Christ. Yes. 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 Go ahead, Chris. The other thing that comes to mind, I think, is that it's like, why did God give us this glimpse of this glimpse? Glimpse of the garden in the beginning. He gave, us, he gave us a glimpse, right? And then and then we saw the fall. Jesus yes. We saw the fall of man. Yes. And and we and now through his word we, we kind of understand the whole plan. Yes. From the beginning and to the end and we're it seems like we're kinda of approaching, you know, closer to the end. And my point is is that um we we don't we don't suffer because God designed it. And I want you to suffer. No. We suffer because of our own sin. Like when God decided to like go through with creation, I, the way I look at it is, is because He saw me at the end, and He knew that it was going to be worth it. But He also knew that because of my sin and your sin, and all of us, we suffer. Yes. And God doesn't like that. Yes. He wants us to get to know Him. Yes. So that we'll make good decisions, but at least minimize yes. that suffering in our life. But but we don't, like Paul, we, we like we do the things that we don't want to do, and we don't yes. do the things that we want to do. Yes. Because, because of our nature. So no, it, I, you know, I think when people say, Why does God allow this stuff to happen? It's like He doesn't allow it. He's like he's using it for his good. Yes. It's our fault. Yes, and, and he has a purpose for all things. He has a purpose in it. You know, he has a purpose, and he's doing a work in it. But many times in my life, um, you know, that he, when I've gone through sufferings, it has also caused me to look up and, and draw more near to him. And, and there's many of us that feel like, you know, that, hey, you know, I, you know, I don't think there's anybody who ever feels that they're close enough to God because I think when things come to, into our lives, even though that we read our Bibles every day, that there is more intimacy when we go through things. There is more seeking God in, in those things. And, and, and like I said, we don't see life the same anymore. And you're right. Like you said, though, in the Bible, they said that very clearly that you know he said why do you call me good there's no one good but god right? why do you call me good and you you hit the nail on the head when it said about the sin our sin you know and we've, we've been born with it go, go ahead we get is this we get the fruit of the spirit love, love joy peace, peace patience kindness yes yes self-control yes that's right yes yes yeah you mentioned it in the last couple of years uh Pastor Ed has had a lot of uh, uh, trials and tribulations. Trials and mm-hmm. trials, tribulations. Yes. Reminds me of the verse where they, um, the shepherd is called away from the flock, leaves the ninety-nine to take care of the one, one. lost one. Yes. So he gets called away, maybe at the hospital, to he gets a chance to minister to. Yes. 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 Whatever. Yes. And you know, as we go through the Old Testament, I'll, I'll come to you, Jerry. As we go through the Old Testament, we're reminded that all of the times that we saw the evilness of of the uh, Philistines and the other people, that God was always sending people to try to reach them. And we always to know that God has such a love for the lost. He has such a love for the lost, and and I thank the Lord every day that He does. I thank the Lord that He does. Go ahead, Jerry. Um, I was just uh, going through uh, something like that uh, where I've been. Ephesians actually and everything related, but uh, where it says to have joy in the trials, yes, in the suffering, yes, and I think that joy is that peace from God, that reassurance from God that we rely on Him because it strengthens our faith, yes. So our faith is not for God, it's no. for us to, that we can rely on Him, and that's where we find that peace, yes. So through every trial that we have, it's a testing of our faith, yes. And Lord, this is going crazy, but yes, I'm okay with you, yes, because I know you have it. That's powerful, and it's like Dirk said. I think I think it was Dirk said. You know, it, it's exactly that. We we need to always be reminded, no matter what suffering we go through, that He's in the boat with us. 
he's in the boat with us. That he is going through the same thing, and he understands what where we're going through. And I think oftentimes we think like, you know, Lord, this this doesn't look good. You know, all these things are bad. But he's like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm in the boat. He said, Oh, you of little faith, right? Us of little faith. And so it does build our faith as we go through things. It's powerful that we see that. All right, tonight, uh, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for our study tonight, Father. We ask, Lord, that um, you would continue to minister to us, Father, and that we would see um, the reason for sometimes we go through sufferings. Father, many times as we go through those things, Father, we don't understand them, but we know that you have a purpose, Father, and we trust and we have faith in all that you're doing. May you continue to do a work in each and every one of us, Father, and may we continue to also, Lord, have a have a love for the lost, Father. You've called us to those things. You've called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, Father. May you give us a heart to do all those things. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.